Okay, Genesis chapter 39. We're going to begin or continue our series. We took a break last Sunday to just try to encourage the saints, the saints of God, not the New Orleans saints, the real saints. Amen. And, uh, you know, because there was a lot of, um, like they say, long faces like a Missouri mule eating sawbriar on a frosty morning. <laughs> but God's Lord's and in charge. Amen. But today we're getting back to the to the uh, series on Joseph. And we talked about studying the life of Joseph. There's key principles and in, in life lessons that we can learn as you study the life of Joseph. And we talked about we need a God inspired dream. We need God to put his imprint in our life and shows where he wants us to go. And we talked about uh, the need to get through life's pits. We all end up in dark pits sometimes, but God is the deliverer. Amen. And then we talked about the need for the divine favor of God. The Bible says that Joseph continued to get blessed. He continued, even whenever he was sold into slavery, his life was blessed. Genesis 39 and 2 and 3 says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now, I believe that Joseph experienced God's success because the favor of God was upon him. And I also believe that we too can experience God's divine favor and blessing on our life, whether we're in the pit or whether we're in the palace. Amen. Regardless of where we are. Y'all believe that this morning? But before we can experience God's divine favor and blessing on our life, first of all, there's a great need to learn how to overcome temptation. There's a great need. You know, today's lesson is about temptation. In Genesis 39 and 7, it says, It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in the house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Verse 10, as he spoke to Joseph, to Joseph, um, day after, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her to be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household were inside and she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that his garment was in her hand, and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make a sport of us. He came in to lie with me, and I screamed. And when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came in to me to make a sport of me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. And now when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, this is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in jail. Now, this is another chapter in Joseph's life. And what you have here in Joseph's life is a classic case of temptation. And uh, when Joseph um, is, he's faced with this invitation by Potiphar's wife to lie with him. And, and so the Bible tells us this story that uh, he had a choice to make. 
She day after day came and approached him, trying to get him to transgress God's law, to to sin against God and to commit adultery. And the Bible says that that, uh, Joseph made a choice not to give in to the temptation. How many of you know that Joseph's future hinged on the decision that he made that day? How many of you know that? And, and, and if he, if he fails, he's doomed. But if he, if he does what's right, his future and his destiny is bright. Amen. And so Joseph could have never realized God's full purpose and destiny for his life had he given in to this temptation. And there's a huge story there. There's a huge, uh, there's a huge lesson there. Although Joseph ended up in prison, even as a result of not giving in to the temptation, Joseph fully reached God's purpose and destiny because he overcame temptation. And listen, the same is true for us. God has a great purpose. God has a great destiny for us. But there's no way that we will ever realize God's full purpose and destiny until we can overcome the temptations in our life. There's a great need to overcome temptation in our life. Amen? So to enjoy lasting success in life, we must learn how to overcome temptation. Listen what James chapter 1 says. God blesses, verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. You know, temptations have the power to affect our decision-making and our decision-making determines our future. How many of you know where we are right now is a result of the decisions we made yesterday and the weeks and the months and the years that have passed us? We can't blame where we are right now on everybody else. Largely, where we are today is a result of our own choices and our own decisions. Amen? And so listen, Joseph fulfilled his destiny because he made the right decision. And there's nothing that will short-circuit your life and keep you from God's destiny than given into temptation. You know, we have a classic example in the public scene right now, on the worldwide scene. There's a a four-star general. I'm sure you heard of him. General Petraeus, a four-star general that led the Afghan and, and the Iraq war. And this guy was promoted to be the chief commander of the CIA. And, and he was, he was so popular, had, had so much success. They were writing a biography about his life. And, and, and General Petraeus, although he had this incredible ability to lead our, our, our nation's military in combat, he succumbed to temptation, committed adultery, and now there is worldwide shame upon him and his family. How many of you would agree with me? that this temptation that he succumbed to is going to hinder his divine purpose and destiny for his life. Wouldn't you agree? You know, all the shame that he brought upon himself and his family. I'm sure if we could interview General Petraeus today, he would tell us it was not worth giving in to that temptation. Amen? If we could interview Joseph today, I believe Joseph would tell us it wasn't worth giving in or it was worth not succumbing to the temptation of Potiphar's wife. And so listen, there's a lesson here for you and I. There's a lesson that we need to learn how to overcome temptation if God is going to fulfill his purpose and his life. Listen, these cardboard testimonies. Listen, you know what? This is a, this is a, a testimony of people that got succumbed to temptation but are overcoming temptation. Amen? That's what it's all about. And it's a great testimony. So why is it so important? 
You know, temptations are like giants, like giants in the promised land. The giants in the promised land kept Israel from going in and reaching their destiny. And temptation is like a giant in the promised land. And it'll keep you from God's full purpose and destiny in your life. Not only that, it'll keep you living in the wilderness. If you give in and you succumb to temptation, it'll instead of you living in the promised land, you will live in the wilderness of life. Amen. Now, what is temptation? Temptation is an enticement. It's an invitation to break God's law and sin. It's not sin itself. Temptation is not sin. It's simply an invitation to sin. And sometimes we get confused there. Joseph was not guilty of sinning because Potiphar's wife approached him and wanted him to commit adultery. No, he didn't, he didn't sin because of her temptation. Temptation itself is not sin. It's simply an invitation to sin. And see, that's where we need to get. We need to get to the point where we understand and we can see temptation for what it is. And instead of succumbing to it and giving in to it, we resist it and overcome it. Amen? James chapter 1 and verse 13 says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. Each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. You know, whenever I think of temptation, I think about, you know, how many people are sitting incarcerated right now because they gave in to temptation. I'm thinking of how many marriages have ended in divorce because somebody gave in to temptation. I'm thinking about the man who had a promising career, who's moving up the corporate ladder and there was just no telling where he might go. But he gave in to the seduction of greed and of money because money was flowing through his hands and he succumbed to it and he lost his job. And now his whole career has been dashed because of temptation. Temptation is a powerful, a powerful influence in this world. Wouldn't you agree? Now, temptation, there's two, three truths to remember concerning temptation. Number one, there is no person who has not had to deal with temptation. I don't care if you're tall or you're short, if you're young or you're old, if you're a man or you're a woman, if you breathe and you hear my voice today, you are influenced by temptation. First Corinthians 10 and 12 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. Temptation, my friends, is common to man. In other words, everybody has to deal with it. Temptation is everywhere. You know, you would think, well, you know, because I'm single and I'm young, you know, I endure sexual temptation. When I get married, that's going to be done with. Right? Wrong. Or you say, you know, Man, I can't wait till I get a good job and I'm making more money because right now I'm tempted to lie, cheat, steal and and because I, I have a need for money. If I get rich, I will have no more need for greed. Wrong. Temptation is not in a certain category of life. Temptation is every season of life, no matter where you are or no matter what you're dealing with. Amen. Are you all with me out there? And so we have to deal with it. You know, Jesus had to deal with temptation. Here was the son of God and he had to deal with it. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. 
So there is, there is no person with the exception of Jesus Christ that, listen, not only has been tempted, but has yielded to temptation. All of us have been guilty of yielding to temptation. Jesus is the only one that has a perfect record. That might surprise you today. No, don't tell me I get. Yes, you did. I promise you, you did. Check that. Start with the Ten Commandments. Amen. I could tell. I could tell that just meant move on, Todd. Move on. So listen, temptation is part of the fallen world. We cannot escape it. Is that right, saints? That's right. The second truth concerning temptation is this. God is not to blame for being tempted. We can't blame God. And that's what James says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. God doesn't tempt us. So James says, don't blame God. The third truth concerning temptation is that Satan is the source of every temptation. The Bible says temptation is Satan's primary tool. How many of you know that? It's his primary tool. It's his primary weapon that he uses to destroy people's lives. Hey, temptation is God's, or not God's, but the devil's greatest tool to destroy our lives. Listen, you know, he's not, he's not doing something new. Matthew 4 verse 1 says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. By whom? By whom? Yes, the tempter is the devil himself. Verse 13 of Luke 4 says, After the devil had tempted Jesus in every way, he left him to wait until a better time. He is very crafty and he's very patient. And he will wait for the best opportunity to trap us. To, to lure us in. You know what? He'll wait till you're weak and tired. Where your resistance is not so strong. And he'll bring temptation. He'll wait till you're discouraged and you're vulnerable. And he'll come in and he'll tempt you. You know what? He'll wait till maybe you're successful. And you've dropped your guard. And then he'll come in like he did Joseph. Joseph was experiencing success. And here comes temptation. You know what? He'll wait till you least expect it. And then he'll tempt you. You know where you live, where you work is temptation. And the devil doesn't like you and he wants to get you to fall. The Bible says in Genesis 3.1, Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field, which the Lord God had made. And Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Satan is the most subtle and crafty creature God created. I was thinking about that. Satan is the most crafty, subtle creature that God created. And I'm thinking of some of God's other creation. Some of the animals that are incredibly efficient in luring their prey into their net. I'm thinking of these fish that sit there and they act like they they look like a stone and a little fish comes and boom, they're gone. Come on, are y'all with me? How crafty some of God's creation is to get their prey. You know, we we had this uh, plague of, of of those little frogs on our front porch, and and I'd go up there. I went. I'm not. I'm not 
kidding you. I went night after night and put a bunch of them in, in a sack to get rid of them. And they kept multiplying. But they would just sit there and a little mosquito would come by. Boop, gone mosquito. But listen, that's how Satan is, gang. He sits there and he just waits. He waits for that young lady to get her eyes on that young man. He waits for that lady that's in charge of the money at work to get her eyes on those green bills. He's patient. You know, and the Bible says with Joseph, he didn't get in a hurry. He just waited. In fact, in Genesis 39, 10, it says she kept pressing. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. She was relentless. The Bible says in verse 11, it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work. And none of the men of the household was there inside. The enemy will wait till you're all alone. Till you by yourself where there's no accountability and he'll throw his temptation at you. Satan patiently waited for the perfect time to tempt Joseph. And he'll wait for the perfect time to tempt you and I. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. To devour. He's out there. And he's looking to take you and I out. Amen. Satan's temptations has many different faces. First John 2 gives us three main sources of temptation. Verse 15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. For anyone. If anyone loves the world. The love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the boastful pride of life. Is not from the father. But is from the world. So Satan's three main sources of temptation are given right here. The lust of the flesh, and that's the sensual sexual temptation. The lust of the eyes, that's the uncontrollable desire for material things, greed, covetousness. And then there's the pride of life, lust for fame, popularity, power, and control over others. And Satan used these three temptations in the first temptation with Adam and Eve in the garden. You remember it? In Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw saw that the tree was good for food. There's lust of the eyes, or lust of the flesh. And it was a delight to the eyes. There's the lust of the eyes. And the, the tree was desirable to make one wise. The pride of life. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Satan used the same temptations to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. Remember? First temptation, he appealed to the lust of his flesh. Luke 4, 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus had been fasting. He was hungry. That's the temptation of the fleshly appetite. The second temptation, the lust of the eyes. Verse 5, and he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain in his glory, for it has been handed over to me and I give it to whomever I wish. That's the temptation for material things. And then the third temptation, the pride of life. Verse 9, and he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And that's the temptation for control, fame and power of others. Satan is predictable. He's very predictable and he continually uses the same temptations. He still uses it today. Think about the sexual temptation on the globe today. 
Think about material temptation. The temptation for greed and for more than you have. Think about the pride of life. It's the same thing today as it was back then. Isn't that right? And so he's very predictable. He uses the same temptations. Somebody says sex, money, and power. Another word, a way to say it is girls or guys, gold and glory. Physical, mental, and spiritual. His temptations are the same. And God's people need to get good at overcoming temptation. If they are going to get to where God wants them to go, there's too many shipwrecks. There's too many failed purposes in the kingdom of God. There's too many failed lives in the kingdom of God. Amen? So Joseph, we look at him, he went from the pit to the palace because he was wise. And because he could see temptation for what it is. And he overcame it. And we need to do the same. We need to learn how to overcome temptation. Amen? To overcome temptation, we must first get filled with the Spirit of God. How do you, how do you not succumb? I mean, you know, listen, I mean, you know, if you got a phone, there it is. If you got a computer, there it is. If you go to work, there it is. You come to church, there it is. You go wherever you go. It's everywhere. Right? Everywhere. I mean, it's around every corner. You get around the corner. There's another one. There's another temptation. It's everywhere. How do we overcome? We need to get filled with the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that will give us the power to overcome temptation. Amen. James chapter 1 verse 14. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. Listen, temptations originates within us. It originates within us. And Satan simply appeals to our evil desires. And it's our own evil desires in the inside of us that attracted to temptation gets us to fall into sin. You don't like fish. You go fishing. You know what they like to eat. And you just throw what they like to eat right out in the front of them. And because they already have a desire for that, they're lured in and there you go. You hook them and you got them. See, Satan knows what our desires are, so he throws out bait right in the front of us to see if we're going to take a nibble or not, and he's got a hook right in the bait, and he can't wait till we take a bite, and then he'll just lure us and reel us in. Amen? And then he'll show us to the whole church and laugh at us. So listen, the only way to keep your evil desires in control is to be filled with the Spirit of God. We're not good enough to overcome temptation. We're not strong enough to overcome temptation. Be careful when you say you stand, lest you fall. I tell you, the first thing that'll get you into the trap of Satan is pride. Don't say you're not, you, you bigger than that. Oh, you're in trouble. You need the Spirit of God to empower you. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit will give you self-control over your evil desires. Amen. I remember whenever I got saved and I, you know, my, my big deal was I like to smoke pot. Now they're legalizing it. 
I would have been excited about that. But I tell you, as someone who's been addicted to it, whether it's legal or illegal, stay away from it. Stay away from it. But I remember after I got saved, I was saved. I loved Jesus. My sins were forgiven. But I still wanted to smoke pot. And I struggled with that. Leave here. I leave church, rolling a joint, going smoke, getting high. And then the enemy would beat me up with guilt and condemnation. And I was struggling with it. And the Lord spoke to me. He, he impressed upon me. Todd, quit looking at your, your weaknesses and get your eyes on me. Strengthen yourself in me because it's in me that you're going to get the power over marijuana. I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. How how does a married man stay out of the trap of adultery? Through the power of the Spirit of God in his life. How does a bookkeeper keep her hands off the money? Through the power of the Spirit in their life. Amen? Listen, Joseph said, Who am I to sin against the living God? He had the fear of God in him because the Spirit that called him son was calling him and saying, My son, don't go there. Come on, are y'all with me? See, that's why, you know, whether you believe in speaking in tongues or not, that's a, that's a separate matter. I tell you what you do need. You need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, whether you believe that or not. You need to be under the power of the Spirit to live a holy and a pure life. You cannot do without it. My brothers, there's not a plan B. There's not a pill you can take. There's not a drink you can drink. The only thing that will give us power over our evil desires is the Holy Spirit of the living God. Yes, indeed. It's the only way. To overcome temptation, first we need to get filled with the Spirit. By the way, how do you get filled with the Spirit? You sit at the feet of Jesus and you say, Lord, fill me with your power. Amen. That's how you do it. You pray and you say, God, I need to be baptized with your spirit. I need to be filled with your spirit. By the way, in his presence is the fullness of joy. The more spirit filled you are, the more joy you're going to have in your life. Amen. In the, in the presence of God, in the presence of God, mountains melt like wax. The more spirit filled you are, the less you're going to be overcome with worry and stress and fear and anxiety. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of pluses for that. The second thing to overcome temptation, we must fight evil thoughts with the word of God. Fight evil thoughts with the word of God. All temptation begins with a thought from Satan. He suggests something to us and lets us think about it and just just ponder it for a little while. And he will even make us think that it was our own thought. And once we, once we get that thought and we just massage it a little bit, he's building a stronghold. He's building a bondage in our life. It all starts, how many of you know it starts right here? That's what he did to Adam and Eve. Remember in Genesis 3, 1? Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, Satan, said to the woman, he said to her, can it really be? That God has said, you shall not eat from the tree of the garden. Did he say, don't eat from any tree from the garden? No, he said, don't eat from one tree in the garden. 
So he just sent a little thought, a little lie, contrary to the word of God. And there she was on the slippery slope of temptation's trap. And he works the same way. If Satan can't get you, if Satan can get you thinking wrong, he can get you into sin. If he can make you think there's no need to worry about hanging out there. There's no need to, hey, listen, a little bit ain't going to hurt nobody. Yeah, there's a lot of people in AA today thought that just a little bit would not hurt anybody. Isn't that true, y'all? And listen, Jesus in the wilderness, Luke 4, 3, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He said to him. Now notice how Jesus overcame the temptation. Jesus said in verse, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. And the devil said, man, that bait didn't work. Let's see if I got another one. And he threw another one out there. He threw another bait out there. And Jesus said, it is written. I don't want that one either. And so he reached back in his little bait box and he grabbed another one and he threw it out there. And Jesus says, no, it is written. Worship the Lord your God and him alone. Amen. And the Bible says the devil left him. Come on, if you get the word of God in you, you'd be able to overcome Satan's lies and, and the devil's going to leave you. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? And so this is so important, gang, isn't it? So important. Wow. You know, I can be up here, you know, acting like I got this all down pat. That, that's the word. That's a, that's a Satan thought right there. Isn't it? It's a Satan thought, even though you know this, even though you know how he operates, you know how he works. Man, we can never drop our guard. The only time we're going to finally be free from this, y'all, is whenever we go to meet Jesus. Amen. Because in heaven, there ain't going to be none of that junk up there. No more temptation. Amen. There ain't going to be all that glitter of the world and all them flashy, skinny, you know, skin floating around everywhere. There ain't going to be none of that. I got to be big boy, big boss. I got to be the one in charge. Lords and, uh, you know, there ain't going to be none of that. We all going to be on the same level playing field. We all going to have our hearts and hands lifted up, worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of glory. Amen. Yes. Amen. So come on. Meantime. Meantime, come on, let's tighten up our, let's tighten up our belt. Let's roll up our sleeves and say, come on, Lord, help me. Help me. Amen. The third way to overcome temptation is number three. We must live an accountable life, sharing with others the struggles we're facing. You know, there's something about sharing with other people. You know, in James 5, 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. You know, there's something about, there's something powerful about humbling yourself and admitting your fault to somebody. You know, I don't know, but, you know, I never went, I never did the AA thing. But I know one of the, I think one of the first things they tell you to do is you got to, you got to admit, I got a problem. Right? Isn't that true? Whether, whether that's it or not, I don't know. But I, I know this. You got to realize you struggle. You got to, you know, listen, before you can get saved, you got to realize you got a need for Jesus. 
right? But before you get delivered, you got to be willing to admit, I got a problem. And you know what I found? To tell somebody you got a problem takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of humbleness to say, man, I got a problem. But you know what? The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There's the power of God coming. Amen. So listen, I don't suggest you go around church telling everybody your business. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. You need to find somebody that you trust, that is confidential. You ain't got to tell a lot of people. Amen. But it's good to just be able to share your burdens. And that's what the Bible says there in James. Confess your sins to one another. You confess your sins to somebody that can pray for you. Amen. And, you know, listen, whenever I was struggling with with not just marijuana, I mean, I was it didn't stop there. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But you know what? You know what I found is whenever I started hanging around other Christians. And somebody in the group was brave enough to say I'm struggling. It empowered me to say I'm struggling. And whenever I said I'm struggling, it empowered me to get delivered. Amen. So getting involved in a small group was one of the greatest things. Or coming up to the altar and telling somebody that's up here for prayer. Man, I'm struggling. Something happens with that. And so somewhere, listen, well, yeah, but what if, you know, they're not going to think the same of me. People will think more of you when you live transparent than they will as you act like you got it all together. Come on. And you got lipstick on a pig. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's like we dress up. We look so nice. But listen. If I keep this little clothes I have on here for about five days, you ain't going to want to get five feet from with me. You're going to say, whoo, man, it's smelling bad up in here. The Bible says in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. Amen. So we can wash it. We can put nice clothes on it, but it's still the flesh. Amen. And so there's something about just being transparent and open. And, you know, that's what I love about Celebrate Recovery. See, for me. I would do good during the week and I would fall off the wagon on the weekend. I would fall off the wagon. I'd stay sober all week. I'd fall off. And then I got involved with the singles. Brother Francis started a singles group uh, here. And on Friday night, we had a singles group. And whenever I started going to that singles group on Friday night, it helped me. Because my, my friends had come knocking on my door and nobody was home. Amen. So they had to go downtown without me. And I woke up the next day sober. Amen. Yes. With more money in my pocket and more confidence before God. Amen. And so, you know, we started Celebrate Recovery and I asked them to do it on Friday because for me, that was the major struggle. But, you know, the thing about the thing about Celebrate Recovery, it's Bible based. It's Bible based. It's centered on the word of God. And so instead of you know, making, you know, a microphone your higher power. You know, they say, make anything your higher power. Well, this microphone didn't die and bleed for me. This microphone wasn't raised from the dead for me. Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood. And gave me power over sin. Amen. 
And so what's, what Celebrate Recovery does, as well as many of these small, all of these small groups, the whole goal of them is to point us towards Jesus. And that Jesus is the deliverer, not Celebrate Recovery. Come on, small groups is not the deliverer. Jesus is the deliverer. Amen. There would be no deliverance without the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So listen, what I'm saying is that, you know, listen, some of us are not like Joseph. We're like Potiphar's wife. We already addicted. We're already addicted. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there's deliverance. That you can be set free. You can be made whole. Amen. So don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Come out of the wilderness. Come to Jesus. Amen. Friday nights, they'll be back there. Go talk to them. Get involved. Isn't this a blessing, y'all? Isn't this a blessing? Would y'all do me a favor and come back up here one more time? I just love it. I just think it's so powerful. Come on, come back up here. This just gives it. This gives me courage. This gives me strength. Come on up here. This is, listen, all kinds of stories, all kinds of testimonies. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm so proud of them. Listen, before they could show up at Celebrate Recovery, they had to say I had a need. Amen. Now, Marlene, she slipped in because she thought she was just coming to help her man out. And then and the Lord slipped it in on her. Right. That's what happened to me. My brother invited me to go to church and I wanted to be a nice brother. And the Lord used that to get me in. Amen. But listen, isn't this great? You know, if we could take time to just tell the stories, you saw some of it real quick. But if we could just tell the story, you know, I was talking to this brother right here, you know, on a for wild game. And he was telling me his story. His wife had brought him here because she went to recovery and, and she got sober and she brought him here and they've both been saved now. Amen. Amen. And he was, is it okay if I say about your marriage? Yeah. And he was telling me they've been living together for 30, 40 years. And they decided they're going to go ahead and get married now. (laughs) And you did. And they did. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. 39, 40 years. And amen. Yeah, he can move a hard head, huh? Yeah. Amen. And all the ladies said, amen. Amen. Yeah, isn't that great? Isn't that a great story? But he just had to tell me that story for a wild game. He's like, let me tell you, man. But come on, let's stand together and let's close in prayer. I hope you encourage today. I hope you encourage. I hope you know that there's an adversary out there trying to get you into his trap. He's throwing them baits out there. Hey, don't bite. Don't bite. Amen. Don't bite. But you can't do it on your own. You need the power of God. You need the strength of the Lord. You need the word of God. Amen. You need others around you to walk with you, to stand with you, to support you. Amen. You know, that's again, what's good about small groups, about Celebrate Recovery. They have one another to, to, you know, to encourage. Listen, you don't have to come here and feel condemned. You come in and say, wow, everybody's just like me. In fact, that's the way it is in church, isn't it? We're just all, we're just all struggling to just, to just make it and live the Christian life. Stay pure. But thank God through the power of His mercy and grace, we can do more than just struggle. We can overcome. We can be empowered. And we can help other people come out of the ditch too. Amen. 
Come on, bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today and you say, Todd, I don't even know if I'm a Christian today. I've never given my life to Christ. So I, I, don't, I, I can't even begin to be thinking I'm spirit-filled. I'm filled with God's Spirit. Would you pray for me? I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. I want to know for sure without a doubt that if I die, I go to heaven. Would you pray for me today? If that's you, just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because every person here should know for sure. Raise your hand. Raise it high so I can see it. Well, those of you that have your hands raised, we can all pray this prayer together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. For shedding your blood for me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I ask you to cleanse my heart. Wash my sins away. Lord Jesus, fill me with your power. Fill me with your strength. I want to live for you. Lord Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord. I submit to you. Be my Lord. Take control and help me to live the Christian life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Come on, you ready? Come on, we can't live in the pit. We can't live in the prison. We're on our way to the palace. Amen. So we got to keep on keeping on. Amen. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your hand of blessing on each and every family. Lord, I pray that you keep, Lord, uh, strengthening us to overcome temptation, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.